it gave us advice you know, if you fall through the lake don't panic <laughs> no yeah. obviously yeah. Uh, you know, just hold yourself there and blow your whistle and I was thinking I went day one about half around thinking, I haven't seen anyone for like two hours you know <laughs> Let's face it, we all know the importance of a good balanced nutrition diet, but the truth is it can get really challenging to get all the nutrients you need every single day when you're running a very busy lifestyle or even running your own business. And if you're anything like me, you probably don't want to resort to a multivitamin pill that is filled with chemicals, binders and artificial ingredients. This is why I'm so glad that I found Vivo Life's Thrive. It's a revolutionary health supplement that has all the power of a multivitamin, but that is made with 100% plant-based and natural ingredients that you can actually pronounce and actually recognize. Things like kale, turmeric, baobab, or even spinach. It's been backed by over 50 independent studies and was actually formulated by a nutritionist. That's why each scoop holds the antioxidant equivalent of 10 servings of fruit and vegetables, along with 15 essential minerals and vitamins, including B12, vitamin D, and zinc. The truth is you just never know what your day is gonna be like. That's why I just make it really easy and simple for myself. I add a scoop in either some water, my shakes, or my tea. It's delicious, it's nutritious, and it gets me focused for the rest of the day, and my energy levels have never been better. And here's the best part in it all. Viva Life are so confident in the quality of the product that they've took over five years to design that if you're not satisfied after 30 days, they'll give you a full refund, no questions asked, and you can even keep the product. If you want to try Thrive for yourself, you can go over to www.vivolife.co.uk and use the promo code MARK to get 10% off your first order. Podcasting is one of the most effective ways to grow your business, build an audience, and give your brand a voice. But the idea of launching can frankly feel a little daunting. What kind of gear or software should you use? What if you don't like the sound of your own voice? How to get great guests to come on the show? And how do you get people to actually listen once you've published your podcast? Well, you could go and find out on your own through trial and error, and that might take you forever. Or you could save yourself a ton of time and a ton of money by grabbing a spot on my brand new online video course, how to go from naught to launch that you can take from the comfort of your own home. That's right, I've made the process of launching a successful podcast from scratch super easy. So if you're ready and you wanna stop wasting time, head over to theunconventionalist.com, click on online courses and grab yourself a seat and use the discount code PODCASTTRIBE to get 20% off the entire program. I can't wait to see you in there, but more importantly, I can't wait to listen to your podcast. Hi, and welcome back to the Unconventionalist Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Roos, and this is the show about what it's really like to turn your message into a movement. Now, we're at that time of the year when we're all thinking about, oh my gosh, what should be our resolutions and what should we be doing to kick off 2020? And often we come up with this same excuse that we keep on bumping on, and that is time. I don't have the time. How do I find the time to do the things I really want to do? And if I've got kids and I've got a job and I've got my own business, how the hell can I even find any time? Of course, today I've got Rachel Forbes to be coming in, who's done some extraordinary feats and has managed to juggle more than one thing while also having a family and so much more. Rachel? Hi, Welcome Mark. to the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> we jumped straight in, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so people often get surprised by that. And um, the reason why I do that is I find that all the best chit-chat yeah. is what I wish I had on the show. Yeah. So since then, it's really <laughs> awkward. People are like, oh my God, yeah, yeah, it's going to get done. And then in the spotlight. Yeah, We're cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it was so exciting because we literally spoke on the phone like five minutes, 10 minutes. And I was like, stop. Yeah. Come on the show. Yeah. That was really scary. <laughs> thinking you don't even know who I am. Yeah, but, that, but that's why I love, like most people who come on the show... Like I don't actually do that much in background because yeah. I, th- I find that if you do, then it really kind of narrows down the conversation mm-hmm. that we could actually have if we're just discovering for the first time what what this is all about. Yeah, sure. Cool. Did you find that you find the studio okay? Yeah, it's a very trendy, cool place. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the big smoke for the day. It's a yeah. whole day out. I know, right? But it's and what I love about having you today, especially in this time of the year and, and coming to the end of, of season fourteen, it's to talk about this concept of, of time. 
Yeah. Like, right, everybody's now thinking about, okay, 2020 is going to be the year. The year that I get in shape, that I go run that marathon, that yeah. I, you know, get my stuff together, whatever it is. And yet it feels like everyone seems to say, I don't have time. Totally. But you have a take on that. I do. Yeah. So I had a bit of a kind of pivotal, life-changing experience earlier this year. Yeah. Uh, already seems like longer ago than that. Yeah. And when I came back from there... I just really reevaluated, and actually while I was out there, reevaluated my life. Mm. I thought that I was going to have a life-changing moment out there, and I didn't have that bolt from the blue. That mm. didn't happen at all, but it was actually the reflection when I came back where mm. it changed. And I was trying to find a term for it because I kind of wanted to spread the word and tell my friends mm. that you can do these things. Um, and I coined this sort of finding time hashtag type thing yeah. because it really works. Because what I did was in my preparation, in my training, and actually to go out and do what I did, mm. I had to find time. Mm. And I'm a normal person. I'm mm. not a person that goes out and does mega ultra marathons every weekend. Yeah, I've got kids. I work. I've got all the normal stresses that. You How know, many kids have you most, got? I've got three kids. Because congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, still as, as a parent of, of a kid, soon to be two, maybe by the time this comes yeah. out, I would have had a second kid. Mm. Uh, congratulations. I say congratulations <laughs> to anybody who's got a kid. One, two, three, yeah. five. I met someone who's got seven kids. Can That's you imagine? Big congratulations. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, after three, it's just economy of scales. It just, it just, it just gets easier. And I was like, okay. Yeah. All the clothes get worn out. Though, That's so right. Yeah. Um, but just going back before that, so you had a, a long kind of career in in the military. In, yeah. In, 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 in the army I'd say an accidentally long career yeah so I joined the army for three years because yeah. basically I got to the end of uni I was on that kind of train where you get yeah. to school you get to uni yeah you get towards the end of the uni and think oh, oh what am I gonna do now sure I kind of just want to carry on partying yeah I want to carry on doing sport yeah so the army just seemed like a good idea I yeah. literally fell into it I don't have any army background in my family my got parents it. were supportive quietly yeah they weren't madly keen on it <laughs> when my dad dropped me off he said just just call me come and get you um yeah i didn't even have a mobile phone that's how long it was yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah he literally would have been straight up the motorway whisked me out of there yeah um, so wait a second. So this, this is at the end of university yeah this like so how do you remember like did someone come to uni with like some flyers or how did you even come across the uh, idea of like cool story actually yeah. um so i'm the oldest of all the grandchildren okay. and my grandmother was horrified that i said i was going to take a gap year mm. so to her gap year meant this is it she's going to drop out she's she's off the run uh, she's not going to do anything, not going to make anything of her life. And she used to send me newspaper cuttings okay. quite regularly, things that I should do with my life. Mm-hmm. And one of them was a gap year commission in the army. So I thought, well, yeah, why not? Give it a, give it a crack. So I went to be tested out for that. Okay. Um, I wasn't very mature, uh, they pointed out at the time. <laughs> but amazingly, they said, we think after three years of being at university, we think you'll be okay for us. Okay. So I had that pass. I didn't really think about it until yeah. I got to the end of uni and thought, what am I going to do now? I've got this piece what of paper. What do you study? Sports science. Of course. Yeah, cool. highly intellectual. Well, no, but it's cool. It's <laughs> really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, that's how I ended up in the army, um, yeah. thanks to my grandmother. There you go. <laughs> so you joined the army and you had a three-year plan. Yeah. Am I confusing stories? Was it you that told me that you tasked your friends to get you to yeah. tell you that after three years to get you out? Yeah, and they totally failed. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, 19 years later, I finally found my way out. Uh, but That's I kept doing crazy. it while I enjoyed it. I mean, it was awesome. Yeah. I did loads of uh, really cool stuff, things that I wouldn't have imagined I'd done. Yeah. Did lots of traveling, met some amazing people, lifelong friends. Yeah. But it was time, at that stage I had two kids. And did you have two kids while you, while you were in the army? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was time to get out and get okay. a grown up job, really. Wow. Okay. So we've had a few guests on the show who had a military background. Um, and and it's, I'm always fascinated by, you know, when you're part of this institution this part of this organization it feels like you've got very clear like roles almost like you know like you know what your your uniforms the you know the the hierarchy is quite Mm -hmm. defined but then you transition out into civvy is that is that the expression for like civilians right civvy um what was that like for you for me it wasn't too bad because the job i went to was on a civilian military partnership contract So I kind of had an easy ride out okay. where half the workforce were military, so I understood their language. Yeah. And then the other half I had to learn pretty rapidly. Yeah. Uh, but I'm a pretty ordered person. I quite like to have a plan. I quite like to research things. Okay. As long as I can do that, yeah. I'm okay. And I can deal with the mayhem around it right. as long as in my own mind I know where I'm going and what I'm doing. Yeah. So what were you doing? I mean, what, what can you talk about? What were you doing in the, in, in the military then, then? I started off in the artillery, which okay. is big guns. Yeah. It's really... <laughs> 
very exciting and <laughs> not very girly. It was great fun. Um, I then went off. I did some work with young recruits doing training, which was really amazing, actually, to see the change in people and how well mm. they responded to that. Mm. I then went off and flew helicopters for a few years. And then I came back and I worked with drones. Wow. So, yeah, some pretty cool stuff. <laughs> what was one of your favorite parts? Oh, um, I mean, flying was amazing. Yeah. But yeah, it was a real honor to be able to do that. Wow. That must have been quite scary, though. Um, with me in the front seat. Yeah. <laughs> no, <Sure>. no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, in, you know, where did fear have a place, if at all, in, in this whole process? Uh, fear of failure, mm. I think, always has a big place. And that's something that I've always struggled with. Mm-hmm. You, know, you put yourself forward for something like the pilot's um, course, and you know it's two years, and it's quite negative reporting. You're under a lot of pressure. They lose a lot of people. They expect to lose a lot of people. So mm. actually, that fear of failure, um, especially being the only female on the course, that kind oh, of self-induced wow. pressure, not from anybody else. It's, it was you know, my yeah. pressure to say, well, I've got to be better than everybody mm. else in this course. Mm-hmm. I've got to get through it. I don't want to fail. I don't want to have to go back to my unit with my tail mm. between my legs for people to say, wow, I didn't think you could do it. Wow. So it's self-induced, absolutely, yeah. and that's the biggest fear. And his, it was interesting. I was listening to a conversation about Adam Grant was hosting on his podcast, um, uh, Work Life, I think and they were talking about uh the me too movement and and in this particular instance they were talking about you know why is it that women in senior leadership or in senior positions you know do they have more than men this sense of what do they call it broad factor something like that and the point they made which i thought was interesting was like well there's there's fewer women in that kind of position of those kind of roles right so when you ended up getting through the course and graduating i guess from the two yeah. years did, did you have that? Did you feel that that kind of pressure of like, oh my gosh, like, I feel like a Fordham Hill? Or actually, no, like, I, I'm here and I belong. And, and I, I didn't always, actually. At that stage, yeah. when I went out and I deployed to Northern Ireland, so mm. we were straight into it and it was into operations. So it was all about your ability to fly. Okay. And yeah, there was the banter and all the stuff that you would expect sure. from the military. Sure. Um, but I was out there to do the job. And I think since then, in my civilian career, mm. much more that imposter syndrome has been a part of my mm. psyche. And just, am I good enough to have got this job, to do this job, to lead these people? Wow. Uh, whereas in the army, I just think you were, it was a different environment and people, you had to earn people's trust really quickly. Um, it's fascinating. And, and, it. and why do you think that is? Why do you think that in the army, less so in the civilian world? <laughs> market, yeah, I don't know. And it may that? just be my perception as well. It yeah, probably yeah. isn't actually a thing. It's just the right. way that I felt. And I guess after 19 years of being in a position which I really enjoyed and I got it and I understood mm. it, suddenly you're thrown out into this new environment um, and it's much more, like, do I need to wear the right clothes to look like the right mm. level? And, and all those things that so many before more I questions. just put on my combat pajamas and went yeah. to work with everyone else. <laughs> yeah, fair, yeah, fair enough. And so um, so there's something that you decided to go and do. There's an epic adventure that you managed yeah. to go in Central Asia. Yeah. Yeah, tell us about that. So I was looking for a challenge um, because I listened to a whole load of women speak um, mm. about adventures that they'd done. And I knew I wanted to do something quite kind of extreme. I only had a short time. I didn't mind where it was. Yeah. Didn't hot cold. It wasn't really on my radar. What I knew was it had to be something that I could fit in with mm-hmm. work and with my kids. Yeah. And um, social media, bless its heart, <laughs> uh, I stumbled across this opportunity to run 100 miles across a frozen lake in Outer Mongolia, <laughs> a place I didn't even know where it was. I was embarrassed <laughs> to say yeah, I didn't yeah. actually know where Outer Mongolia was on the map. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, like 90% of people listen to this. No, yeah, I live in Kazakhstan. That's yeah. the only reason why I know kind like of where that. it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so you're, you're sitting there and you've got this idea. And by the way, were there any particular women who inspired you that you heard talk? Was there someone you want to give yeah, a shout Yeah, Kiko out? Matthews. Oh, you did? I know you speak to. Yeah, she's, yeah. I think, yeah, so she's, she's there. up there. Yeah. She's up there, yeah, yeah. Kiko Matthews. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, I went to a, a really cool thing called Night of Adventure where a whole series of women talked about their adventures. Okay. And they were really wide-ranging. So from um, the Ice Maidens, the Army Girls who went to the North Pole, Kiko Matthews, yeah. various others. And a lot of them were massive. And I just thought, I don't have the money. I don't have the time. Mm. I can't do it. And then I kind of gave myself a kick up the arse and thought, hang on, I can't mm. do that, but I can do something. something there must else. be something I can do. You yeah. know, what can I do? And there's a girl called Sally Orange, a lady called Sally Orange, mm-hmm. who's run marathons all over the world, dressed as different pieces of fruit, raising <laughs> mental health awareness. Really? Amazing lady. And I thought, well, she's running wow. marathons. So there is this... The spectrum you okay. don't have to do something you don't have to row across the atlantic on your own no that's you mad <laughs> <laughs> you can also run around dressed up as a fruit that's yeah. crazy okay cool and so what do you think about that 100 mile race struck a chord in you um before i did it i met with uh, one of the people who test piloted the race the year before mm-hmm. so the year i did was the inaugural year and this girl is a very amazing ultra runner and i met her for a beer and two things that she said to me and i'll 
very lengthy conversation mm. where firstly one night I was so cold I thought I was going to die and secondly it was a life-changing experience <laughs> and I thought those two things just really captured me and I thought yeah. I want to be doing something if I'm going to do this if I'm going to leave my kids yeah. for 10-12 days it's got to be worthwhile it's got to mm. be a challenge mm. and if it's a life-changing experience then that's really cool as well as going to a country that I really don't know anything about apart from it's cold and it's really sparsely populated. Okay, cool. So then, and then what? What's the next step? So then you yeah. go, okay, now I'm, now I'm committed to this. How yeah. much time did you have? Uh, not very much. Um, I signed up in November and the race was in March. And at that time I was okay. doing 5K part run kind of when I could fit yeah. it around the kids' sports matches. Yeah. So yeah, I had a conversation with the MD of the race who said, oh, it's great. You want to be on board. So how many ultra marathons have you done? Oh, I haven't done any. Said, had, well, had you run a marathon by then? That's what he asked me next. <laughs> no, the answer to that. And then he really so five, tentatively so said... So your 5K park run was like... what? Yeah, like, I mean, I guess I'd run further in the army, but I'd never sure. run a, a formal half marathon got or it, anything. Got it, got it, um, And I said, oh, I've been in the army. I'll be fine. I'm, yeah. I'm used to hardship. I can, yeah. you know, I, can, I, can, I can get through this. And amazingly, he let me on. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you must have seen something that like, okay, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give it a go. Because yeah. people listening to this can't really comprehend, right? What, what it means to run 100 miles. Mm. Um, how, how many days do you have to do it? So it's four days. So it's effectively roughly a marathon each day. Okay. Um, on, on ice. On ice. On ice. Okay. Frozen lake. So it's not warm. It's not warm. Yeah. Um, and where are you sleeping at night? Well, we had this amazing, amazing crew of Mongolians looking after us. Yeah. And they put up gears every night. Uh, on the ice. Uh, just on the side because yeah, yeah. the, uh, the lake is sacred so you okay. can't camp on it or we on it okay. or anything so we had to go off to the side and um, just put up our yeah, little yeah. gears and we stayed in those <sighs> every night so we were kind of packed in okay. and then we shared those with the Mongolians as well which we uh, called them the fire fairies because they were meant to take up the fire through the night but the uh, got less as the, as the night went on because they drank a lot of vodka so, but they were amazing they looked after us yeah so okay so you've got you've got three kids and, you, and you're are you working at this point yeah yeah so you, you've got a job you've got three kids uh and you're now trying to prepare yeah for those things how do you prepare how do you even start so obviously loads of time whenever i was on the train instead of working oh, my boss isn't listening yeah. i was uh, <laughs> i was doing loads of research what yeah. shoes am i going to wear what layers do i wear how yeah. do i get my nutrition all of those different things okay. And then I was running at sort of 5.30 in the morning in the dark. So, so you'd I'd get sneak up, out. you'd sneak out of bed, yeah. you'd have your shoes maybe ready next Everything to bed. Everything downstairs. Everything downstairs. Not next, yeah, sneak cool. down. Sneak down. Sneak out the door. Yeah. Go for a, as far as I could. It was based on time, you know, what time did I have to leave if I was getting a train for work, okay. if I was driving work, or I was taking the kids to school. Okay. It, what was my timing? And then just run as far as I could in yeah. that time in the dark. And I come back and everyone else was still asleep. Yeah, no, that's crazy. Yeah. I, I, I remember um, Mark Wahlberg is the one that talks about this, about how he gets up at 4.30 in the morning and does his workout and then has his prayer and then comes back and takes his kids to school. And then, no, has a round of golf, I think. Yeah. And then comes back and picks up his... I mean, it's mad. But you see, like, in my household, because I live in a small flat, the problem we have is if we get up out of bed and there's a creak or yeah. a sound in the floorboard, our daughter wakes up and it's game yeah. over. That's no, it. I it's totally done, know where know? every creaky floorboard yeah, in the yeah. house is. Trying to sneak <laughs> so, but, like, I've been telling my partner because I haven't, you know, again, I, this is why I, I love having you on, on the show to talk about, like, I have this... I don't have the time. Yeah. Like, I find myself saying, but I just don't have the time. Like, there's always an excuse that I put forward before my own health my own you know especially when it comes down to physical goals and that kind of yeah. stuff um was it hard for you at first to wake oh, it's up at five yeah yeah i mean it's and it was cold you know? <laughs> yeah. um and i just the thing that kept me going was having that goal and i think that's really important is mm. to set a goal for yourself because i was thinking if i don't get up today how am i going to feel on day two or day three when i've already run a marathon which i've never run before on ice which i've never done before and i slept in this gear is um which yeah. is you know, mongolian yet um yet yeah and I'm creaking myself out of bed. I'm really going to regret not getting off my backside and going out for this run today. Got it. So the stake was high. Yeah. Got it. So you had something that was like the stake is high enough to sort of go, if I, if I don't do this, yeah, it's, it's going to hurt. hurt. Yeah. Love that. So, okay. So find what I'm hearing is you know, it's kind of tip number one. Find a goal where the stakes are high enough that there is going to be consequences to your inaction. Yeah. That you really want. It has okay. to be something. It doesn't have to be something yeah. as crazy as that. Yeah. It can be anything you want to do. But if yeah. you've, you've, I really believe you've got to have that goal that purpose that drives you yeah 100 percent. so you get through the training you get through christmas time you know, new year are you seeing yourself improve like do you see your kind of rhythm running out you're feeling yeah. a bit more comfortable i mean i got injured like everybody does and yeah. strapped up and taking pills and all of the things that anybody that does yeah. laser running was doing um and some advice that i got from my friends who i consulted who did ultra running and put me in touch with us was firstly you can't do it because you only signed up in november and you need a year to train for this okay 
I said, well, that's, that's, that's not, not going to help. So, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, but they said, you need to do back-to-back runs. So at the weekends, I'd have to do a long run Saturday and a long run Sunday. Okay. Um, and I did one, a 20-mile run with some ultra-running people who are amazing, driving me around that, which yeah. hurt. And I did okay. a one 30-miler, which really hurt. Wow. Um, but I'm very thankful to uh, yeah. David for dragging me around that, giving me his time. Oh, my gosh. But it was squeezing in. So I'd be, you know, I'd run two park run, do park run, and then run home. I'd run up to a hockey match throw some clothes on up there, watch yeah. my son play hockey and then run back. And it really is finding that any, time to squeeze time. it in and working out how can I do it? Not, I can't, but how can, there is always a way mm. and you just have to find what that way is and be really yeah. committed to it. And, and did you feel, there was there some guilt that was yes. happening around like, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm dropping the ball. I'm putting, for yeah. those listening just on the audio, I'm putting air brackets. Yeah. I'm dropping the ball with my, you know, with my family and my partner, my kids. Tell Not so much that. at 5.30 in the morning because yeah. <laughs> no one even noticed I'd been up from the muddy train. But you might be in pain. You might be more moody. I don't, I don't know. Oh, what I'm, yeah, moody yeah. probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, so tell us about that guilt because I think that's something that people deal with on a, on a daily basis, especially yeah. with kids. I think the biggest guilt was going away for 10 days. Um, mm. And I just thought, oh, you know, what am, you know, my kid's going to grow horns. Or, you know, what's going to happen? How old are they just to, give, just to give some So context. my youngest is three and the other yeah. two are 10 and 12. Okay, got it. So a really kind of yeah. Yeah, big span of, yeah. of what they need. Sure. Um, I don't think they really noticed that I'd gone because life carries on for kids. Yeah. They live in the day, which is a complete yeah. joy. And Every day is a new day, from. like a dark. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they were looked after, they were fed, they had you know extra time with <laughs> their grandparents. Yeah. And they, it was fine. Yeah. It was totally fine. And I really just got in such a complete tears about it, thinking 10 days. Yeah. And I felt so guilty before I went. And when I came back and I realized that everything was just the same, everything was normal. Mm, that's when I really thought everyone should tell. do this. You know, it's... You, it's really important to give them something to aspire to, something to be mm. proud of their parents for. Mm. And if they can do that and look at you and think, well, my mum did that and that was yeah. quite cool, then that's fantastic. What did the race ultimately become for you? Even before we get into the, the race itself, like, because I, I bet the race is on the outside. I was like, oh, it's 100 miles, but I'm sure it's become much more than that. Yeah, it really was yeah. life-changing. It sounds like a really kind of crass statement to make, but it really made me look at my own life. Mm. I was really proud of what I achieved by doing it. I didn't... I genuinely didn't know I was going to finish it or not or even finish the first day yeah so I was proud that I'd done it but I was proud of the way that I approached it and the planning that I put into it and the commitment that I put into it mm. and so yeah it really made me think about what I do for the future yeah so you fly out yeah where did you fly into uh flew into Moscow first yeah. and then into Ulaanbaatar which Ulaanbaatar, is the, yeah, yeah, the capital. capital yeah yeah um and so are you nervous at this point? Oh, my God. I got to Heathrow and I met some of the team. We all had these T-shirts on so we could spot each other in, okay. in Heathrow. And it's like, oh, yeah, when I did Marathon de Sable and when I was in the <laughs> Arctic and I rang my boyfriend and said, I can't do it. Yeah. I am so out of my comfort zone. I mean, yeah. these people are just amazing. And, yeah. and I'm just a normal person turning yeah. up. I'm absolutely winging it and I can't go. And he just said, oh, stop being an idiot and go get, get on the breakfast. plane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get some. <laughs> yeah. It's quite yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> You're probably hungry. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's Holt, uh, Tim Ferriss. I, heard, I learned this from Tim Ferriss. Where he said, um, it comes, I think, from... A maybe I don't know where I think it was something I forgot what it comes from but it's called halt am I hungry yes. am I angry am I lonely am I tired exactly right. right like f find those four things yep. check them off and then then see if you're still feeling the way Probably you are all of those things yeah right yeah and not so, angry so you so how many were you competing or, or taking part uh 27 of us so okay. some we had one guy cycling it uh, on a mountain okay. bike with studded tires yeah. and there was 10 um 10 people on skates and the rest were runners oh wow walkers. okay do you have to have special shoes for running on ice? I know it's like a really silly question. No, it's but... not a silly question. I wore trainers, but okay. I got quite thick-soled ones to have a bit of insulation from the cold. And okay. then you put uh, like a more flexible crampon type sort of spikes okay. on the bottom of your shoes. Okay. Okay, so you've got your backpack. You're off. You get there. You're suddenly getting closer to the start line. Yeah. And then it's like, and you just yeah. did a physical reaction, yeah. right? That was like, yeah. So you're, oh my God. and it's coming and it's bubbling. And then yeah. what's the energy like in the group just before the event? It was really funny because it was a really a group of really amazing people who'd all done different things from very different backgrounds and very different reasons for being there mm -hmm. and it was, even to get to the lake was quite an epic we had to fly up to um a sort of small settlement at the mm -hmm. south of the lake and then we spent an entire day driving south to north okay. up the lake okay and as we kept going thinking this is taking all day yeah this is a, a really long way <laughs> in a fleet of um yeah sort of old buses yeah having to stop to cross crevasses that were just popping up because um, the ice moves all the time. These you know, Mongolians are out stick, poking them with a stick, working out where we're safe to cross. Oh, my god! And we just suddenly realised the enormity of it, that there was no one else around. Yeah. The, the lake is absolutely vast. I mean, it's 20-odd miles across. 
and about 80 miles long. So you just suddenly realised what we'd led ourselves in for. And it was really cold. Wow. So that whole journey, suddenly this really vibrant group that had all been you know, having beers and in. chilling out, suddenly got really quiet. And that night before, you could tell there was a different tension and people kind of sorting their kit and just trying to get sorted and organised. Oh. And the start line, everyone was really excited. There's kind of lots of weeping and everything, but there was definitely a huge yeah. amount of nerves just yeah. to get set off. Did you did you did you recognise anything from your days in in the army with that moment? Was there anything like that that preparation before? That, was there something that you felt familiar with that you yeah. almost felt comfortable with? I think for me, it was I knew where my kit was. I knew mm. what I had in my bag was the right kit. You know, mm. I spent a lot of time talking to Ali, this um, lady who'd been on the on the uh, test pilot run, mm. and I knew where my stuff was, so I needed it if there was a problem. I, I was pretty sure I was well prepared, kit wise. Got it. I wasn't well prepared. Physically, right. Um, and I mentally. knew strong. I knew that I'm mentally strong. I think yeah. I thought I could probably do it. And in my mind, I'd, I'd set myself. I'm really horribly competitive, <laughs> and I had to really give myself talking to say, when we go, yeah. I'm not going to shoot off because I've never done this before. I've got yeah. to go slowly. Yeah. And um, one of the guys, his kit got lost in Moscow. No. Like all his kit, and it's, he's, he went sort of internet viral. He actually did the whole thing in a pair of brogues and jeans. No way. So I did the first 10k walking with him because he said he was going to do the first 10k and then probably would stop uh, he's not that kind of bloke he did the whole thing and is an absolute legend what the whole four days yeah in brogues and jeans yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think he did go i mean people borrowed lent him spare yeah, yeah. sleeping bags and toothbrushes yeah, yeah. and some thermals and things but yeah yeah oh I, my god are not recommended for no walking ice. or running 100 more of the story travel with your kid on Take, a, spare, yeah. a spare kit on Yep. Just in case. Have your trainers yeah, in have your, your bag. With you. <laughs> I think that's the advice yeah. for this year's race is make sure yeah. any essential kit you have with 100%. you. 100%. So how did the first day go? It was, oh, it was mind-blowing. Uh, the ice just changes all the time. It's incredibly beautiful. Sometimes you put your foot down, you just hear this as, as it cracks. And that was really bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it cracks and it pings and you see the white crack in the oh ice go. Oh, my God. And you, the first Are you running behind spoon. people? At the very start, yes. But obviously skaters and the cyclists on the first day the ice was really smooth at the start so they shot off and then there's just the runners doing their thing mm. and very quickly actually we really strung out and if you think of the number of people that normally do a marathon mm. and the number of people that are out there doing a marathon yeah. actually we were really strung out and on the second day i ran by myself all day and it was amazing it was oh, really wow. incredible experience so, i caught people up and, and let, let, me, let me just clarify it's a lake that's 100 miles long so the lake's about 80 do... miles long yeah. but by the time you've sort of gone out run gone back into yeah. the, uh, the camp and then okay. each day. Do you kind of zigzag a little bit back? Yeah. Here? Okay, got it. And you've got to go around these big crevasses that suddenly appear. So they did, it couldn't be an absolute accurate race. They have what they call an ice road, um, which is a safe lane that the locals use to cross the lake to go yeah. up and down because it's much quicker than going around the, uh, around the land. <laughs> but um, You, but didn't, yeah, you weren't scared of going through the ice? Yeah, it was petrifying. Sometimes you could see down, you could see um, some dead fish in there or you could see just this really thick ice uh, and you just, it's, it's weird. You wouldn't, you just wouldn't do it, would you? You wouldn't normally go, oh, I know, I'll go out on that icy lake and have a real run around. Yeah. So it was a really, really surreal experience. And okay. that first day, it took a lot of getting used to, not, not spend the whole time yeah. looking, looking down, down and thinking, am I going to die? I mean, they gave us advice. If you fall through the lake, don't panic. <laughs> no, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, just hold yourself there and blow your whistle. And I was thinking, about day one, about half around, thinking, I haven't seen anyone for about two hours. You know, if I fall in the lake, and who's going to come rescue me? I'm blowing my whistle. Just, I might as well make a tune on it and yeah. you know, die happy. So, yeah. And so, how did you feel after day one? Uh, elated that I'd done it. Yeah. Amazed. Absolutely exhausted. Yeah. Um, but I was really in a mode where I knew I had to get food down me. I had to have some water. I had to sort my kit out for the next day, mm-hmm. get everything sorted. And then uh, there's we set up this campfire and everyone was sitting on logs around the campfire and just great, amazing camaraderie mm. um, and talking about the next day yeah. and what was going to happen. But also because we were so spread out, there was every single person as they came over the line, there were people there congratulating them and cheering them. There's a really amazing okay. atmosphere between the guys out there. Okay. And so what were some of the pinnacle moments of those four days that you can remember now that you can go back to and kind of yeah. walk us through? What were some of like, was there a moment you felt you were going to give up? Was there a moment you got injured? Was there a moment that, you know, you had a clarity? Like, what were some of the big kind of so moments? So, on day two, I ran by myself. Um, and I, a lot of my training I'd done myself, so I'm quite comfortable with that. And I don't run with headphones. I just like having that headspace. You know, no one shouting, mommy, or hey, what's the tea, or anything like that at me. It's just really nice. 
but I'd overtaken a couple of guys. I started quite at the back, started steady, which is my plan. And I'd overtaken some people and I realized I was going to be the second runner in on the second day. And I got ridiculously emotional about it. And mm. I was so chuffed with myself because I just hadn't ever dared to think about anything mm. like that, anything competitive. So that for me was, was a really pivotal moment. And then the last day was really tough. There was quite a strong wind, which was biting cold. And I was running with one of the other guys. Um, and we were really good at kind of looking after each other. So mm. checking that we were both taking on food and drink and layers. And you know, you're constantly on and off with different layers. How much are you carrying? You didn't carry back? a lot. You just had to carry the essential stuff. There was a checkpoint every 10K. Um, so we took extra layers, you know, hats, gloves, spare gloves, because obviously you drop your gloves. Screwed, oh, so you, you had to point. have spares. So like you have big thick down gloves. You don't want to wear those all the time because then you get really hot. You don't mm. want to sweat. If you sweat, you can get icicles inside your clothes. All the no boys way. had massive icicles on their beards and moustaches that they'd all been told to grow for protection. Uh, no so you know, it really was that cold. It was sort of minus 25 in the morning. So Because people have never experienced... I've been on minus 40. Like, yeah. The, the, the there's, there's a burning sensation on the lungs that when you breathe in, you just feel this kind of cold. Did you feel that when you were running? Yeah, with especially in the morning. So I put on... I had a, one of those sort of buff type mm -hmm. things on and I had a mask as well which I didn't end up using because it wasn't as cold as they thought it was going to be it was mm -hmm. unseasonably warm at minus 25 okay but you had that decision do you breathe through the buff which gets then quite wet and damp and then that freezes on the outside and is really uncomfortable so I had about five of those I could keep changing them yeah. but as the day warmed up then you started taking clothes off and then as it you got through the day yeah. you had to start putting them back on but you were constantly having to change and okay you stop, is that so you have to stop, change, get back up? Tried not to stop. Tried to just, you know, take off the backpack, get kit out and do it as we were walking, you know, going to a fast walk rather than a run yeah. and get sorted and organized. Because wow. you, you know, if you stop, A, how do you get going again? But yeah. B, you know, you're going to get really cold. Okay. I didn't want to Got stop. It. What were you thinking about? What was going through your head while you were running, though, that, that kind of length of time? A lot of it, I was just thinking, whoa. This is amazing. This place is absolutely incredible. It's quite a spiritual place. It's yeah. a, a spiritual lake to the local people. And, and it is just this eerie silence, just nothing. There's no planes going over. There's no road. Um, you get the no occasional... No kids screaming. No kids screaming. There yeah. was um, a group of people on uh, motorbikes on Enfields that were doing some crazy trek and they whizzed past us. You could hear them from about an hour away. It's a really weird, low rumbling noise. And then they came past. Yeah. So, yeah, it just... Just that feeling of, oh my God, this is amazing. And everywhere you look was different. One side was really craggy mountains. The other was kind of more rolling hills. The ice was constantly changing. You had these beautiful ice crystals that were like little flowers. Mm. And you get tramping through them feeling really bad. It's like you're kind of running through your dad's flower bed and you're about Got to it. get told off. Yeah. So it's just a constant sensual, uh, sensory overload. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. That's mad. It was. That's so cool. And how did they, how, walk us through the, the few minutes before the finish line. <laughs> So that was quite funny because I suddenly thought, well, I'm going to finish this race and I've got to do something. I've got to do something epic over the front 100 miles across the frozen lake. I've got to be epic. So I came up with this plan um, that I was going to dive across the line. I about, I, I, that, in my head, I was like, yeah, you didn't dive, did you? Did <laughs> it's like the penguin dive. Yeah. So bless him, Rich, that I was running with on that day, said, look, you go ahead and you, you're finishing. I'll, I'll do mine. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of ran striding, looking like I was not out of breath or emotional at all. Oh, I had a cry as well. I had a cry about okay. sort of <laughs> 10 minutes out and got that out of my system. I was like, oh, I've done it, I can't believe it. Yeah. But I thought, I'm not doing that on the line. That's just really yeah. uncool. So, yeah, I ran up and I dived across the line. Um, and I was actually wearing a backpack, which has chest straps on it, buckles on the chest. It stopped. I really, really hurt. They just <laughs> smashed into my chest. And the photographer went, that was so cool. I didn't get it. Can no. you do it again? No. I was like, well, I can. But so the, the one that's actually on the film yeah. uh, and, and they use for the promo stuff is slightly more ginger than the first one because <laughs> I'm like, oh, I know it's going to really hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it looked quite cool. I yeah. think it looked cool. A hundred percent. That's so yeah. cool. But I might suggest that if anyone else does it, they should come up with a different finishing style. <laughs> on your bum. Yeah. Go, go, go bum first. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess one of the things I'm sure people ask themselves, like, what, how did it feel? How did it feel to cross that line? Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, like I said, I got emotional. It was amazing. I couldn't believe I'd done it. Uh, and I'd only done it through support of my family at home. He'd allowed me to train and, and get there and, and looked after the kids while I was away. The guys who are out there, you know, the Mongolians, the support team, the other guys racing, mm. just completely, we all got each other through it. Um, I felt proud of myself mm. for doing it. I'd also raised quite a considerable amount of money for charity. Mm. So there was that 
driver as well. I had How to. How much did you raise that. in the end? Six thousand pounds for nice. walking with the wounded. Nice. So that was that felt good as well to yeah. know that I'd repaid the faith that people had had in me because mm. they given me the money to sponsor me and I could then go and back and say it. yes I did it yeah. so yeah a whole raft of emotions um, just I was exhausted I bet but yeah I bet and so you come home yeah and then you're going back to switching mode to like you, you're a mum and you've got a job I yeah mean, I literally how, how went was... back to work the next day because um, oh, wow. I just didn't have the leave and that's yeah. part of that guilt thing is that every day of leave I should be spending with the kids that actually bought some extra leave um. to do that so I was thinking all these days are days that I can't spend with the kids. I have to farm them out to you know, my grandparents mm. or my parents or whoever else. So actually, that was part of it. So mm. I came back and I was at work the next day. Um, but that whole coming that down is really hard. It's, it was surreal because I think my experience of the army as well is that when you, you go away somewhere on a six-month tour and when you come back, nothing's really changed. You've changed. You've had an experience, experience that's changed yeah. the way you look at life. And you come back and everybody else is still doing the same normal thing. Yeah. So, you know, the email inbox was full. People are ringing, going, mm. this meeting, can you be there? You need to be on this train. And yeah, you just come in and bang, life is straight back. I know. Uh, and it's all there. And that's when I had that sort of thinking of, okay, I've found the time to do this. What, how am I going to continue this? Because I've got to find this time for myself because right. that's what's kept me sane, actually. It's right. been really good for my mental health. Well, especially that you had a goal and then that goal yeah. was now ticked. So yeah. then what? Right? So how do you actually find that momentum that you yeah. had? And actually, how did you? So what, what did you come up with? Like, did you, did you find like the new mission is like to help other people find time yeah. for themselves? Yeah, so I really yeah. wanted to do that. I wanted to be able to, I wanted to try and inspire girls that they could do stuff. Mm. I think, you know, women particularly and young girls put so many blockers in front of them, reasons they can't yeah. do stuff. Uh, and a lot of it is it, you know, just things that women believe are reasons they can't. You know, what if I get my period? What if mm. I don't look cool out on the ice? What if I'm not as strong as the others? Not if I'm mm. not as fast as the others? All of those kind of things along with the finding time. So I just wanted to try and talk to people right. and, and tell people that you can do this and it is okay to have that time for yourself. Yeah. So that was really important to me. 100%. I also signed up for another challenge. So you did? Yeah. Can you talk about it? Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I've signed a non-disclosure about what the actual challenge okay. is. It's a test pilot for a, a new race. Okay. It's summer cold and it's cross-country skiing, which I've never done before. <laughs> I need to learn how to do that before <laughs> April. Okay, cool. So look, um, as we come towards you know the, the end part of the interview, this is this is what I really want to kind of hone in. This is idea that you know I think what I love about you saying there's it feels like guilt and making yeah. time go hand in hand. I think so. Right. And so people listening to this, how how can they feel less guilty about making time for themselves? I think when you do it, you realise that it's okay, and mm. uh, and it makes it made me a better person. I think I'm more focused and I'm doing more stuff with the kids because you just remember that each each time slot you have is really precious be that mm. going for a run yourself or spending time with your kids you know, that awful thing that we all do of having your phone on while you're talking to your kids mm. and it's trying to just be really focused in on what you're doing and then you won't feel as guilty because you know you've given them as much as you can mm. you can't give your kids 100 percent of your time yeah. because that doesn't that's not good for you it's you've not got to be your own person and you give them yeah. something to look look up to as well and something to aspire to i think yeah. they want to see you going out and doing stuff whether it be walking up a hill doing a big race it doesn't really matter what it is but yeah. they want to see you doing things for yourself i really believe that i get that i get that what's interesting you know i think i've spoken about this previously i think is you know so i'm a dad and a partner i both run our own businesses and we don't have any family around and so i've found myself to really isolate myself my friends and my yeah. group of peers because i feel guilty I know that if I don't come home one evening, that means my partner has to yeah. do the whole dinner, bath time, bedtime, you know. And she tells me all the time, like, I am so happy for you to go out. Like, go out, go and do it. But I don't do it. Yeah. I don't do it because I've got this guilt trip saying I've got to go home and help. And, and I wonder if there's almost something like, do you think there's a part of us that doesn't want to know that actually we're not indispensable? <laughs> yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you know, like I said, what if the kids grow horns? Well, I'm like, they're fine. They're yeah. completely fine. So yeah. I think it is important that as a as a couple, if you're operating as a couple, then you've both got to have your own thing. Mm. So yeah, please, can I go and have some time to go and do my running or whatever it is I do? Yeah. But equally, I need to make sure that my boyfriend gets time to go and do the things he wants to do. Yeah. Because it has to be that balance. Because otherwise, yeah. it, it doesn't work. So yeah. you do have to have a balance, and it is hard. And there are people out there, single parenting. Yeah. Whole, everyone has their own challenges mm -hmm. and their own demands on their time, but it is still possible. There is always that bit of time. When I was 
doing yoga in the living yeah. room on the floor, you know, my three-year-old crawling all over me. So <laughs> even if you can't leave the house, there's stuff you can do. Yeah. Where do you start? Someone listening to this and like, where can they start? Where, where, where's the first point of call if you want to start finding pockets of time for yourself? Like, where would you want to point them? I just say, find something you want to do. So mm-hmm. if it's you know, five minutes of mindfulness, 10 minutes of yoga, find something that you want to do and yeah. a reason that you want to do it. Mm-hmm. And then set yourself a challenge. You set yourself a challenge of doing three yoga sessions a week or mindfulness every day for a week. And they, yeah. I can't remember how many days they say it is to set a habit. Is it 21 days or so, something? Okay, but the, his, okay, so the, they say it takes 21 days to set a habit. And this comes from, the legend has it, that it comes from uh, a surgeon who was, I think, during the First World War or the Second World War basically said that it took up to 21 days for wounded soldiers to acknowledge that they had a missing limb okay that's where it came from like for the first 21 days they still felt that they were that they had a leg or an arm or what have you and after 21 days they got used to it so that's where the 21 day habit comes from um but what i'm also hearing is find whatever time you need to get that new habit and it will get a life of its own and don't be harsh on yourself if you can't do it you can't do it you know if the kids are ill or if work demands something else, then don't beat yourself up. Yes. But it's actually take that thing and then look back and reflect on it and just say, oh, I did that today. And that's yeah. the joy of doing something really early in the morning. The rest of the day, you've got to crack on, do your other stuff. Yeah. You think, yeah, but I got up this morning and went for a run. Yeah. I did it. I, I know. That. Do, you know. Do you know what's crazy? Here's the crazy thing. But when I moved to London in 2012 and I, and I, and I joined the Member Foundation as country manager, I used to get up at 5.30 every morning and go, yeah. well, I say that maybe... Four times a week at least. And I'd go to the gym. Like I'd smash a workout for about an hour. Then I'd go back home, have breakfast, have a shower. Then get to work by, I don't know, 8 or something like that. I what it was, 8.30. And I felt amazing. I was like, I've just, you know, I've yeah. already climbed a mountain by the time I get to the office. Fast forward to like <laughs> 2019. I'm lucky if I make myself a cup of tea in yeah. the morning, you know. And, 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 I, and I always, like it's crazy. Like one of my friends who's also come on the show... Arthur Pollins, he's a breathwork uh, coach, right? And so I kind of pushed him to say, look, launch this academy, blah, 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 all this stuff. And so I'm part of it. I said to look, if you find nine people to sign up, I'll be your 10th person. So you've already got one, but you okay. need to find nine people. So you did it. We started this academy, I think Monday, or whenever this is recorded. And he was like, find two minutes to do your breathwork today. I still haven't found that two yeah. minutes. Because there's always something that I make up is more yeah. important than... Oh, we're masters at procrastination. Yeah. Aren't we? It's so easy to do. Yeah. And that's why you get it now in the morning's good. Don't beat yourself up about it, but yeah. also set your challenge that you can achieve and that you want to achieve. And if you've yeah. got a goal, it's so much easier. Yeah. Because you think, well, if I want to be able to do a downward dog for two minutes without collapsing in a heap, yeah. then work to that goal. <laughs> yeah. Because if you've got the goal, you know it. And then when you yeah. get there, you're like, whoa, I've done it. 100%. What next? What is it going to take, do you think? This is a big question. Okay. Just, just, just warm me up for that one. Yeah. What, what do you think it's going to take for us to live in a society where girls think like boys? that anything's possible and that there is no reason why because of their, how they identify themselves to be would impact or hinder their ability to achieve whatever they want? That's a big question. It's a big yeah, question. It right? is. <laughs> I think it, a lot of it is around having role models and yeah. you know, publicity and you look at you know, TV adventurers. How many female TV adventurers are there? Not many. Mm. If, you, if you name TV adventurers, they're mainly going to be men. Yeah. So it is. And there are some amazing women out there doing incredible things. And there are amazing extreme endurance athletes women who are beating men yeah. on this on, on even terms but it's not just about that it is about that every day it is mm. about just going for a run just going for a walk doing whatever it is that floats your boat and i think so you've got to be careful and that whole thing with women that as you sort of alluded to before you might have that absolute cream of the crop doing something totally amazing but they seem very unobtainable to the normal person mm. and that's what i'm trying to get across is that i'm not an ultra runner i don't go out and do this all the time mm. I have just gone and done something a little bit crazy mm. and realized that you can. And I couldn't go and do that every month because sure. I can't commit to that level of a training. Yeah. But I can go and do something else. And I've kept up my running. Uh, and I did a night race with my sister the other night, which was you know, brilliant, just out in the woods running. Yeah. She didn't have to do mad stuff. But we, yeah. again, my sister, she found the time to train for that and she did it. And she's got some um, you know, real challenges around her personal life. Yeah. So and it look, is it, that. It's crazy, you know, and I think... You know, since becoming father to a daughter, become much more aware of mm. the way that people talk around women, I think, around girls, like even just subliminal messages that I'm going, whoa, that's crazy. Like that, I would never hear a guy say something like that. Like I had, I, had this, I remember taking, a, I was going to take a photo with a friend and she was like, oh, no, 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 I, I, haven't, had a, I haven't had a manicure. I haven't had my hair done yet. And I thought, 
But what message, and you know, around, what message yeah. does that send to your kid to say, oh, I, I can't have a photo because my, my hands aren't done. Yeah. But as a guy, you never hear that. As, like, as a guy, I would never have the idea of like, oh, I can't take a photo because my... And I thought these little things, that these messages that we say unconsciously shape the belief and the world and environment in which our girls grow up in. Yeah. And I love that idea. That's a really simple thing. Let's have more role models. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I did a conscious uh, decision. I think it was season 13. I started looking at the stats and numbers of my guests. Yeah, so I looked at the guests that I have on my show and I realized there was at least eight, 70 to 80% men were being okay. interviewed. And I thought, I need to be proactive about this. Yeah. So I consciously decided, okay, season 13 to season 14, I'm going to try and get more women on the show because we need to have a, a wide representation. And I think we're about 50-50. That's brilliant. For this season. I've yeah. got, you know, touch wood, I've got to double check the numbers, but season 13, season four, yeah, 14, we've, we've, had, we've had about 50-50. I feel a responsibility. I've got three boys and I want them to grow up thinking that mm. you know, there isn't a difference. Yes, there's a physical difference, but actually we can all do the same thing. And my three-year-old the other day came to me and said, oh, girls aren't as good as boys. And I was thinking, oh, I failed already. Wow. It's three. No, but he's, but, yeah, he's learned that from yeah. But, wherever and look I, i'll say this and some the, the lights change for some reason someone's put a light off in the corridor it feels so people are watching yeah. this again what just happened the lights <laughs> just gone down um like i say this now in, and in all sincerity you know i have like especially having seen my partner go through birth and giving birth i'm like there is zero doubt in my mind that women are the strongest <laughs> sex like there is zero doubt like have you seen the stuff that she said she's had to grow this human then pop this human then feed this human <laughs> then recover from having had this human you know and then um, do it again and then do it you. again yeah and she's doing it again <laughs> we're doing it now by the whenever this comes out um so i guess the, the way i want to wrap up this interview one of the, one of the first things i want to say is i want to acknowledge you you know I, I generally want to say thank you for being a role model so that a girl can actually look up and say, you know, we don't have to be extraordinary superheroes to, to, in order to achieve something. Some ordinary uh, person who only had a few months to train did it. If you dedicate yourself to something. Yeah. Uh, I also want to thank you for being a role model for, for mothers and, for, for, and, and dads, obviously. But yeah. in this particular instance, because I think, mom, I see this with, with my partner and I see this with my friends who are mums. There's a whole other level of guilt trip that as a dad and most of my men, dad, I can't speak for everyone, just we don't have. Same. Like, Case in point, if my daughter has a fit because, you know, she's like two years old now, it doesn't affect me a bit. Like, I can just be there, be next to her and say, I'm sorry that you're going through this. It sounds like it's, you know, it doesn't affect me. Like, nothing yeah. in my body. My partner has to leave the room, go to yeah. another room, and it's probably like curling up at a ball going like, what have I done? I'm a terrible mother, right? But there's a physicality. So you doing that, you're, you're really showing the roadmap that it's possible and that I love your message about fine time. Thank you. Find it. You're not, yeah. It's not, you know, not going to magically appear. We've all yeah. got 24 hours all get the same thing. Um, so this is a question I asked all my guests. Uh, what's one thing that most people don't know about you? Um, I was asked this at the beginning of the Mongolia trip, and I said, yeah. I've got really small ears. Okay. <laughs> people can't see because we are. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah. They are under here. These are massive. Yeah. Cool. Um, if you Actually, what does being unconventional mean to you? I think it's about broadening horizons. Yeah. So I think you know, having listened to a load of your podcasts, it's just different people doing different stuff and challenging mm. uh, and disrupting. And I just think that's, that's awesome. That's what we should all strive to do just be different be, yeah. in, be individual i love that and and if i could give you a piccadilly circus uh the big screens in the middle of yeah. you know and you could have one message that every girl would read on their way to school to work or women would be able to see what would you want that one message to be uh, i think it'd be be you don't afraid mm. to be you mm. but yeah everyone's an individual we all play a part in a team yeah. but you know be you be the strongest you that you can i think if my children can do that then mm-hmm. that'll be you know kind of my biggest accolade cool i love that rachel forwards where can people find you online if they want to connect continue this conversation invite you to go and speak to inspire people where, where can oh they i'm get, doing where the far into instagram rachel's yeah. finding time yeah. i'm on linkedin okay and I'm on facebook cool rachel thank you so much for coming on the show thank you very much love that conversation it was amazing Lovely. There you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation as much as i did um i'm always inspired when i meet humans who are able to just do stuff and then make it sound so simple because it actually is when you start setting yourself up a goal and going after it. So may you take this message and be inspired in some way to find your own time to do whatever it is you want to do and maybe find that goal that's going to drive you to do that. Until then, if you enjoyed it, then make sure to share it with a friend and subscribe over on YouTube and over on iTunes. It helps a lot and it helps people find this show. So thank you so much for that. Until then, have yourself an amazing new year. You know what time it is. It's time to get those goals. It's time to make that time for that goal. And it's time to live your life meaningfully and purposefully. I'll see you next time. 
Today's episode is brought to you by VivoLife. Now, we all know the critical importance of protein to sustain a healthy diet, and I'd love to sit here and tell you that we should all get that from whole foods, but the truth is, you know, like me, you might be living a busy lifestyle, and I'm often running from meeting to meeting, and I was looking for the perfect protein powder that could help me sustain my energy throughout the day and also recover after my workouts. Problem is, most proteins out there are filled with sweeteners, artificial flavoring and ingredients, and, and because they're made from mostly dairy products, tend to not really agree with my digestive system. So that's why in 2014, I started exploring and experimenting with plant-based proteins. But the truth is, back then, the taste, the texture, the smell was just a little nasty. And so I just put up with it because I was looking for a plant-based protein that was good for your health, backed by science, and didn't do too much harm to the planet. But in 2017, something changed. I actually came across VivoLife. VivoLife make 100% natural health supplement and products that deliver straight to your door via carbon neutral delivery. Now, let me tell you, I was blown away. Not only did the protein taste great, it also looked amazing, it mixed well, but beyond that, it was by far the healthiest protein on the market that I could find. The reason being is that in every serving, you get 25 grams of plant-based protein, and it's not just any protein, it's fermented protein, which is amazing for digestions. On top of that, you get six grams of branched chain amino acid in each serving, and you also get some turmeric extract, which is phenomenal for anti-inflammatory proprieties, which helps me speed up my recovery. Now, what I usually do after a workout is I'll use uh, some Madagascan vanilla or the salted maca caramel. Those are my two favorite flavors. I'll throw in a banana, maybe some dark leafy greens, uh, some almond milk, some water, maybe some flax seeds, shake it all up and it tastes amazing. So if you're looking for a healthy, natural plant-based protein that's gonna get your results, tastes amazing and does good for the planet, then head over to vivolife.co.uk and use the discount code MARK when you check out to get 10% off your first order. And remember, every purchase you make using the discount code helps support the Unconventionals podcast. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for keeping the lights on in the studio. Hey gang, I wanted to remind you that if you want to launch your podcast and you don't want to spend years and a ton of money trying to figure out how and make mistakes along the way, then head over to theunconventionalist.com, click on online courses, and make sure to enter the code podcast tribe to get 20% off my brand new online video program that's called How to Launch a Successful Podcast from Scratch. I poured everything I know into that, my love, my heart, my knowledge, and my know-how for you. You can literally take that course from the comfort of your own home and launch a world-class podcast within days. So stop waiting, stop wasting time, head over to theunconventionalist.com and get your ticket to my online video program now. I'll see you in there.